Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. So my first question is, why in the hell don't the Rams have indoor plumbing? This is the Press Box. You're not at a great point in your life when you have to take a dump in a portable. True. Right. True. That's not a great day for you. With Grainy and Bischoff. Shove it in. Someone from the Hard Knocks who took a dump in the porta pipe. <laughs> like, they immediately blame the media. Like, we get blamed for everything. It's fine to blame us for, like, if you want, we think we're negative. But we got to draw the line that we're taking the dumps in the porta pipe. No. At that point, I draw the line. We're engaged. Oh. We are? Should I go to the first bite? Or? I mean, just, you know, congrats to Cassie Soda. We have to say it. I mean, that- we've made such a big deal on this show about it. My goodness. Tyler, just indicate if I'm supposed yeah. to go to this. I mean, Tyler, you, you, you're offering a congratulations. The first bite. Is Cassie Soto's ring real? <laughs> the first real. bite may have been changed. It looked real. It did. Good She's for engaged. Her. Yeah, good for her. Tweeted out last night, got engaged on Halloween. So for regular listeners of our show, we've been making fun of Cassie Soto <laughs> for quite a while about not being engaged. She's been dating her boyfriend for a decade. Uh, and they apparently got engaged last night. Mm-hmm. I have an important question for you, though, because a couple weeks ago, Cassie came on this show, was talking about her the present she was getting her boyfriend for their 10th anniversary, and it was a very good present. Yes. Uh, Canelo Alvarez tickets. Close up, too. Not um, like bad tickets. Did he propose? Did he go buy a ring in response to that? Because it took him about mm. two weeks between Canelo yeah. Alvarez and the ring. I think the pressure got to Edris. I, th- I, th- I, I think the pressure got to him. Uh, it's a beautiful ring. I think the Canelo ticket's uh, right there with the price. Um, <laughs> it's a gorgeous ring. So uh, we wish them the best. It was nice. Yeah, I mean, we've made, look, we've, the Friday shenanigans and made nonsense and, and, and laughed with her. Uh, with pretty her. cool. Well, not with her, but uh, yeah, I, I thought that was pretty cool that he did that. Good for Good for them. Wish them the best. Wedding planning Cassie is going to be oh, incredible. Oh, it's going to be a nightmare. Oh, what a nightmare. That's going to be even better content for this show. Yes, yes. For at least a... Because she will demand. Uh, today, I, today I'm happy for her. You know who I feel sorry for? Los, the father. Oh. <laughs> you, a, lot, a lot of overtime out there at UNLV, Los, because you were about to write checks you've never seen before with that daughter of yours. They're just flowers! <laughs> well, speaking of UNLV... Oh, all right, good transition. <laughs> Breastbox transition. Uh, UNLV <laughs> lost 51-20 to Nevada. They were down 34 to nothing before they ever scored. Cameron Friel threw a couple of pick sixes, three total interceptions. They didn't really have any answer for Carson Strong. He threw 417 yards, 37 of 49. So UNLV has now gone 703 days without winning a football game. The streak for most losses in a row for a UNLV team is 16. Marcus Arroyo has now lost his first 14 games as the UNLV head coach, meaning they play New Mexico this weekend. If they lose that, they then play Hawaii. If they lose that, they will tie the record and then they play San Diego State. And if they lose all three, they will break the program record for most consecutive losses. Record-breaking head coach. And didn't even start the start his career with a win. Just got there as soon as he possibly could if he pulls that off. Um, so here's my question for you, Ed. Regardless of what happens the rest of this year, I guess if he wins the rest of them, they get to four wins, and that'd be a miracle. But even if he wins a game to finish out this season, and they go 1-11, should Marcus Arroyo be the head coach of this team next year? 
Okay, so I saw this on the rundown, and I was thinking about this all morning, literally, from 5.30 on. Um, I don't Look, I've told you this before. Like, I have a big problem with deserve anything in sports. It's, the sports are completely inconsequential to, compared to what people deserve in life and what people deserve uh, uh, who have a lot of problems in life. Uh, I think it better as he should be, and I think it goes to he will be the coach next year. Uh, I'll give him, look, COVID year in his first year, I thought that was tough, especially as a first-year coach. Everyone through, went through COVID. I got it. But as your first year and you're trying to implement things, I think that's really difficult. Um, second year, they have not been good at all. They're not a good football team. But I think the kind of the the thing that hangs out here is no matter what happens, and let's say they lose out, and whether it's this AD or a new AD, you tell before we say he's not going to be the coach, and someone tell me who's paying the buyout. I want to know who's paying that. Well, here's the buyout situation. What's the buyout after this year? Three point six million dollars. Okay. I want to know who's paying that. They pay it. You pay that out in monthly installments through the life of his contract, which is another three years after this one. As soon as Marcus Arroyo takes another job, the UNLV stops paying him. So if they fi- if they were to let's say they fire him in December, and in March he has another job, and it can be anything. The way it's written, it, he could be he could work here. He could be a volunteer assistant at a high school. He could go work on be an analyst for ESPN. Any any job he takes, right? UNLV immediately gets to stop paying him. So if they fire him in December and he takes another job in March, they pay him December, January, February. But once he takes that job, the buyout's done. They don't owe him anymore. So it is three point six million. Marcus Arroyo's not an old. He's he's very young. I highly doubt Marcus Arroyo staying out of the game very long. So yes, it's three point six million, but it's not actually three point six million. You can get away with it being significantly less than that. I st- I again, I throw the first year out. Um, they're not any good. This is really kind of you. Well, I mean, I, 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 it's what I believe. I mean, it's what I believe. I think uh, as a first-year coach in that pandemic, it was a complete disaster. I mean, you know, and the, everyone went through the pandemic. I think it's much harder when you're a first-year coach coming in trying to implement everything you want to do. Um, I I think he's back next year. Don't ask me why, but I think he's back next year, even if they if the even if they go winless. Um, and I don't look. Here's the thing. I'm going to be very honest. I'm not trying to skirt the question. I don't know if he should be back next year. I think a year and a half no matter what the record is, is not a lot of time. I don't know. Here's the other thing about the recruiting. Like, I never realize, I never know at a group of five level if this recruiting is as good as everyone says they, is, they are with the yeah. rolling of the dice. I don't know. I mean, yes, I know Alabama recruits well. But when it comes to group of five teams, especially not good group of five teams, I never get the fact, nor, and I make, you know, you and I make fun about it. Like, I don't like stars. I don't like these recruiting rankings. But I think it's really hard at this level by far to even gauge whether these kids he's signing or recruiting are any good. I don't know that. So what if they all are? And maybe he can improve next year. I think it's a I mean, I think it's not cut and dry. I don't think it's cut and dry that he should be the coach or he shouldn't be the coach. They're not any good. We know that. They're not they're not a good football team. I will say this. You thought Utah State might be their first win. I will say that New Mexico is their first win. They've got a really good shot. Hell they're only a one point underdog playing New Mexico. Yeah, New Mexico off a. Of, I don't care. I mean, I, I saw New Mexico play San Diego State live in terms of on TV, and they're not any good either. So um, I don't care if they're coming off a bye or whatever they did last week. I think they're coming off a bye. Um, but I'll say that they beat New Mexico. So, okay, here is the situation, and this is this is why Marcus Arroyo is going to be back next year no matter what. UNLV does not have an athletic director at the moment. Uh, UNLV is not planning to hire an athletic director until 2022 begins. So even if UNLV actually hired an AD in January, 
the timing is almost impossible for UNLV to fire a head coach because you're talking about there's an early recruiting signing period in December, and then the second signing period is in February. If UNLV has a new AD in January and they walk in and fire Marcus Arroyo, now, A, you've screwed over all the kids that signed in December, right? You've screwed over all the kids that are committed and probably coming in February. And B, who the hell is UNLV hiring in February of 2022? Because if you're UNLV, you're not exactly a desirable job. You've got to be out looking for a head coach at the end of November in December is when you need to be hiring your next head coach. So the timing of UNLV not having an AD, I think, buys Marcus Arroyo another year. And does he deserve another year? Probably not, because I don't think Marcus Arroyo has been... I think he's demonstrated he's a bad head coach. They have Okay, they have played 14 games this year. In, in, or, no, excuse under me, him, in two under years. Him. Yeah. In six of those games, including Friday against Nevada, they have either had a delay of game or had to take a timeout after kickoff before their first play of a drive. That has happened in six games in two years. That is unacceptable. The first play after a kickoff? Like, what the hell are you doing on the sideline that you cannot get your offense on the field to run a play? He's not a good head coach, but he's going to get next year. Now, here's what, if I was the new athletic director, what my thought process would be, he has to go to a bowl game next year. Like, if he if he shows progress, if they go 0-12 this year, and he shows progress next year, and they're 2-10, I don't care. That is pathetic. That is unacceptable. So, like, if I'm the new AD, yes, he gets the next year because the timing of it is just horrific to fire a guy into February and try to find a replacement and what it does to the recruits and the players. But he's got to basically go to a bowl game next year. Like, that's that's the standard. There's no, there's no improvement from 0-2. to two. He took over a program that had four wins for four straight seasons, right? It, getting to two wins is not an improvement. He's got to get to a bowl game next year, and if not, then he's fired because then you can actually do the timing right and hire a new head coach in December before recruiting actually finalizes. Well, and I think that – I look, I don't know who the AD is going to be. I don't know uh, what Whitfield thinks um, of his interim, uh, but let's say it's a brand-new AD. You're a brand-new AD coming in. Let's say he loses out this year, or they only beat New Mexico and they have one win. They come back at two or three. ADs, the most important thing an AD does ever is hire a football coach. It's not even close. Even at UNLV, I'm sorry. I know the basketball program, it's a basketball school and all that, but you've got to turn football around with all the expansion and all the things that are happening in conferences across America. That You have to turn football around. That will be the number one responsibility and the most important thing the AD will do, whether it's the interim or whether it's a new guy. Uh, or woman. We're not sure who's, who the AD is going to be. So I agree with you in that next year can't be two or three wins. It no. can't be this, you know, two or three wins happens when, you know, you win two or three. I think Hauk did this, and then you win three or four, and then eventually you're six and six and go to a bowl. Like, that's incremental improvement to where that's why guys keep jobs. But you can't go, let's say, what, did they have three left? This year, four left. Four left, so you'd be one in seventeen. If I'm trying to do one, my math. I'm doing my math. Yeah, one in seventeen. You can't then go two and ten. Yeah, and you can't be you know three and twenty-seven. I mean, at that point, you just you can't be you can't be that way. <laughs> um, I'm just my. I think my math. You'd correct. have to go what like three, three straight undefeated seasons in order to get to 500, a yeah. five hundred record. It is so okay. I will say this: the only hope I think that Jesus. there is for Marcus Arroyo to succeed at UNLV at this point is for his recruiting to actually turn out to be right. Real. And like you said, so here, here's what happens know. when we talk about 
Mountain West football recruiting, right? UNLV has had a top two class in each of the last two years under Marcus Arroyo in the conference, in the Mountain West. But the problem is, is like being second in the Mountain West, it's not usually significantly better than, say, seventh in the Mountain West. Right. They all kind of recruit the same kid. Right. So it's like UNLV landed one or two players that sort of made them better than sixth or seventh, right? So it's still... Still good recruiting classes, but Marcus Arroyo, it's very unlikely that Arroyo will recruit so much better than the rest of the Mountain West that they'll just beat everybody on town. And he's, I think he's proven so far, 14 games in, I think he's proven he's not a head coach. Like in game, he's not a head coach. They're not winning games because of his coaching at any point in time. So he, they've got to have better talent than their opponent. It's UNLV. That's almost and never that's, happened. That's going to be really hard because, like you said, you're not going to out-recruit Boise and San Diego State to a level where you're like, oh, our talent is 10 times more. Right. It's impossible in the Mountain West. So, But that that to me is the hope. Like They have had good recruiting classes in two years under Arroyo, so I think there is some hope that, hey, they've had two good recruiting classes. They'll be back. They'll be in their second and third years under Arroyo at, the, at UNLV. You bring in another good recruiting class potentially, and now all of a sudden – hey, maybe the roster's good enough that they run into four wins in a season, and then you look at it and say, okay, four wins in year three, maybe. Maybe that's enough of a stepping stone to get to a bowl game in year four. But that's it. That's the only real hope I see because the way the team play, I mean, listen, you got up 31 to nothing, 34 to nothing against your in-state rival. What? What? Like, they were pathetic in that game. That was a non-competitive game, and the only game that mattered. He wins that one game. The rest of the season's irrelevant. Nobody cares about the rest of the season. And they didn't even show up. Like, they got blown off the field in the one game that matters the entire year. It's it's unacceptable. Like, you look around, it's unacceptable to lose that game by 31 points and to be down 34 to nothing before and you show a pulse. Before we go to the break, we'll get back to this. The one thing that really stood out is what you said last week, and it, it, is, a, it is a major concern of that team. When Tony Sanchez left this team, the strength was this offensive line. I watched the other night. And I'm like, how can it have been that much of a strength under Tony Sanchez and to where it is now? Yeah, it's it's uh, awful. It's, it's probably the, the worst offensive, same guy. It's probably the worst position group of the team. Oh, how does that happen? I have no idea. It's, it took the strength and it's like the worst position group on the team in two years. Coming up next, the World Series. Oh, I'm excited. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. If the DH goes into the NL next year, as expected, you might be the last pitcher to get a hit in the World Series. I was just curious your thoughts about that. Uh, uh, we'll see. First pitch, grounder up the middle. Swanson's got it. Goes to first base, out, but the run scores. All of a sudden, just like that, it's 4-4. Four to 3-1 four. to Maldonado. And he takes it way inside for ball four, and the Astros tie it on the bases loaded walk. Correa comes home. It is 5-5. Five to five. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. I know it was legal for Maldonado to stand on the plate. Man, he was he was hugging it, brother. As long he as he doesn't swing the bat, he things are going to go well. <laughs> I will take what anything that Martin Maldonado does positive <laughs> at the plate is a bonus. And the fact that he drove in three runs and three at-bats last yeah. night, phenomenal. What a catcher there. He had a sack fly, a bases-loaded walk, and an RBI single. The only one in history. 
Yes, to do, have three yeah. RBIs that way. I God, baseball's the best for. This is the first time this specific event has happened where a guy drove in a run with a sack fly, a walk, and a, a single. single. It's never happened before. History. Um, I, uh, I, I'm i I'm 99% sure this isn't true, but it's funny. Uh, Zach Grinke had a pinch hit single that left the bat at 105.9 miles an hour. Cody Bellinger hasn't hit a ball that hard since 2019. Yeah. I'm 99% sure that's not true. Uh, that's I'm pretty sure he not has. true. But it sounds good. It's probably not true. He's had some homers that I think <laughs> left the, the bat a little faster. <laughs> I do like asking Grinky if he's the last pitcher to get a hit. Yeah, we'll see. He's two for three in the World Series. Yeah, he can hit. He's got as he, many hits he, as Alex Bregman in the World Series. I mean, did they? Did Dusty pinch hit him at all? Yeah, he pinched him yesterday. Okay, so this whole thing about a pitcher not hitting anymore, I don't think that's going to be true because I think Grzynki's going to be he's going to be hitting some next year. No, no, the idea is that the DH is coming to the National League next year. Okay, and when the DH, I'll comes. still say that Grinky pinched hits at some point <laughs> when the DH strikes out three straight times. Like Zach, you're in <laughs> because the only more than likely with the DH probably coming, the only pitcher that's going to hit is going to be Otani. Like he is going wow. to every, he'll be the only pitcher that has an at bat next year. Well, I guess some manager could screw up before saying double shift. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. Uh, I'm going to Houston. Yes. I'm, I'm yeah, way excited. too optimistic about this. Way yeah. too optimistic. I think you, I think the Braves better get six. You're going on short rest. They're going freel. They better get six. I don't think they can win seven. I am way too optimistic about I'm going to end up watching the Braves win the World Series, but I'm way too optimistic about the Astros actually coming back to yep. do this. My gentleman sweep <laughs> didn't go very well. It's not looking good. Didn't go very well at all. Um, am I allowed to be mad at Dusty Baker? You won. Yeah, I mean... but he butchered last night. That was terrible. That's one of the worst managed games I think I've ever seen in my life. What'd you do on the Grand Slam? I uh, started scrolling through TikTok. I was depressed. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was not good. You didn't throw anything. No, I didn't. That was more of a more of an acceptance than anything. Oh, at else. that point you accepted. Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, it was not good. All right. Once they scored two in the top of the second, I was like, oh, right, you're in. They it. can score some runs. But all right. So here's why I'm mad at Dusty Baker. First off, the biggest mistake he made last night. He used the game six starter in relief in game five, and only got three outs from him. Because in the next inning, the Astros had the bases loaded with two outs and the pitcher spot up. And obviously you have to pinch hit in that scenario. So he burned his game six starter and all he got was three outs out of it. What the hell was that? I do not understand the bullpen. Not that it was perfectly rested, but the bullpen was fine. There was no issues with like using some of the other guys in the bullpen. Or if you decide you need some length, Jake Odorizzi's sitting out there. Guy's the long reliever. He was a starter in the regular season. Didn't make the postseason rotation. What what the hell is Dusty doing? I don't understand why he used the game six starter in relief in like the fifth inning of a game they were losing by a run. I completely annoys me. And then, oh man. Okay. Eighth inning. He takes out, uh, he makes a pitching change, but also removes Jordan Alvarez, who's normally a DH playing in left field because it's a National League ballpark. And he brings in an actual outfielder that can play defense. And so he makes a pitching change at the same time. He did not make a double switch. So in the top of the ninth, Kendall Graveman, the reliever that Dusty Baker wanted to throw two innings, had to take an at-bat. If he made a double switch, an actual position player would, would have, have been hit up. in the ninth right. instead of the pitcher. 
I think he just forgot the double shifts existed or double switches existed. Excuse me. I don't understand. I don't know what it's one of the biggest blunders you could make. They were up by four. Didn't end up mattering. But what the hell was that? Just make a double switch and everything's fine. And then on top of that, it worked out very well for the Astros. Astros down a run. Astros down a run with two outs, bases loaded. Martin Maldonado's coming to the plate. Guy's hitting 170 the entire season. Was four he's Bellinger. Four for 42. Yeah, he's Bellinger. On the season, except he's never won an MVP in his past. He's like a career <laughs> 215 hitter. Even when he's good, he's not good. And Dusty Baker let him hit. Biggest at-bat of the game. And he let the worst hitter on the roster take the at-bat. It was early. Dusty Baker hates burning his catcher early. They lost their backup catcher to COVID. So the third string catcher would have to finish the game. But there is no way, bases loaded, losing with two outs, that you let the worst hitter on the team bat. He drew a walk. They scored a run to tie the game. And then the very next hitter, base hit, pitcher spot, he uses the worst pinch hitter on the team. Who gets a hit on the first pitch. Who blooped, got a hit, got a drove hit. in two runs. Got a hit. It worked out very well. But in the two biggest at-bats of the game, Dusty Baker sent up his two worst hitters. That is unacceptable. That is horrific managing. Jared, did you enjoy watching the Braves win the World Series last night? <laughs> apparently, I mean, apparently, there were, you beat a team where there was a grand slam. <laughs> the Braves suck. And there was a hit the Braves that are I terrible. genuinely I think it's believe. still going. It's still. Freddie Freeman's home run hasn't come down there's yet. There's currently like one American in space. <laughs> He's the only one currently still observing that home run. The Braves You suck. won by four. The Braves suck. The only reason the Braves are going to win the World Series is because the Astros offense took a nap for two straight days. The Braves scored five runs total in games three and four against the best offense in baseball and won both of them. What the hell's that? Dusty's been fine pretty much the entire postseason. He's maybe made one or two questionable decisions. He was awful last night. That was horrible last night. That was awful. He forgot about double switches. He burned a starter, game six starter for three well, outs. let me ask you something. Who's, his, uh, who's the bench coach who should also be suggesting things? I'm assuming Dusty Baker like gave that guy the finger yesterday. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. Really? Because Listen. you think someone on the bench said, hey, Dust, uh, you know, we have the pitcher's spot coming up. Why don't we double switch here and get someone else in the, in the, in yeah, the spot? Yeah, you're right. Everybody deserves blame for that. Hell, Kendall Graveman, who came in to pitch, deserves blame for that because he should have been like, aren't you going to double hit. switch? I don't want to hit. Oh, my God. So Dusty's, off you go. Dusty's awful. But I'll be in Houston. Off They're going to win go. the World Series. God, the Braves suck. They can't hit. Tomorrow, live from a sucks. plane. <laughs> yeah, this team sucks. Coming up next, Mike Gramala joins the show. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Into the second half, play action fake. Frail with time, fires in the near side, and it's intercepted. Intercepted by Reno. And the run back now coming all the way to the 35, down to the 30. That's Tyson Williams. He's inside the 10 to the 5, and he takes it in for a touchdown. A pick six. Freel back to throw. Backpedals into the pocket, comes forward, and the pass is intercepted by the Wolfpack. Running down the right side and trying to stay on his feet, getting inside the 10-5 touchdown. Diane Henley. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. 
Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Mike Gramala. All right, Mike, what is the worst part about Friday for UNLV? That they lost a rivalry game, that after a string of close losses, they got blown out by 31 points, or that they are now 0-14 under Marcus Arroyo? Uh, that's a good question. Um, 0-14 is not that different from 0-13. So I don't think there's a, a huge milestone to be reached there. So I would not that one. I would say after all, I would say the, the not so much the rivalry game because they've lost rivalry games before. I would say probably that they got blown out in such a fashion after so many close losses because they were kind of, you got the feeling in all those close games that they were at least playing well in some facets. They were making some kind of progress. They were right there. They were in position to win. There were some games that they should have won. And then you see them against a, a good team and you see for real just how far away they are and how, how much work there is still to be done before this is a uh, a competitive team. So I would probably say the, just the, the, the blowout fashion in which they lost. Simple question, then. How far are they away? I mean, we were talking before you came on. One of the areas that Tony Sanchez had built up into the best area in the team was the offensive line. Now it looks like it's the worst area of the team. I mean, you know, look, we know what the record is. We know what he is at that school. But how far do you think they're away to even being somewhat competitive with a good team? We know they've been competitive with bad teams this year, but with a good team. How far away? Uh, I don't think they're going to jump to six wins next year. So they're at least one year away. Uh, so they're, it's not one year. Um, can they make a bowl game in 2023? Me, I mean, I don't see that happening uh, myself. I don't think the, the quarterback for that bowl team is probably not on this roster. So that's, you know, not probably not two years away. I would probably say three years away is what you're targeting for when you can get this offensive line built up, um, get a quarterback on the roster with a year in the system under their belt. Uh, I would probably say three years away if, if, if everything goes well. You are the new UNLV athletic director. You keeping Marcus Arroyo around after this year? I think he'll get another year after this, at least just because of the the contract. Um, it would cost a lot to get rid of him. And uh, I think the, the, the easy parallel to draw is Desiree Reed-Francois coming in uh, after, Marcus Men- after Marvin Menzies' second year and – you know, she obviously didn't want him. She wanted to hire her own person, but she gave him a year um, just to see if lightning struck. And in the meantime, you know, you can sort of get all your ducks in a row. You get that year to evaluate, get your feet wet, take a lay of the land. And then after that first year on the job, then you can, you know, clean house, bring in your people. And you just sort of have a better sense of the job before you undertake that, that giant project of hiring a football coach. So I think, that's probably the timeline you're looking at now. You bring in a new AD this offseason. They get a year to evaluate uh, Marcus Arroyo. They evaluate the program. They get a sense of what UNLV is about, what kind of coaches they can, like, how that search is going to work. And then you see Marcus Arroyo in his third year. Maybe he makes great progress. Maybe they look uh, tremendous next year and they, all these close games. Maybe they turn into 10-point wins next year. Who knows? And maybe they go, you know, 5-7 and seven for the new AD. That's enough to keep him. But you, I think he'll get that year of, of evaluation and that year of uh, prime work just to, to work on the search. Uh, record aside, because it's all relative, obviously, they haven't won a game under him. Is he a good football coach? You know, I think he's a good recruiter. 
I think they, you can't argue that they've got the, you know, probably the two best recruiting classes since um, the recruiting rankings became a thing. They, uh, they get some highly rated prospects. The in-game stuff, I mean, you guys go over it uh, pretty much on a weekly basis. You know, the, the use of timeouts, um, stuff like that, the penalties. They don't look that great on the field. Like, there hasn't been a, probably a time in the last two years when you've said, you know, wow, that was a, a really well-scripted drive or something like that. Um, I think it's more of a recruiting kind of coaching staff. Uh, I think that the plan is to, you know, you get some coaches who are scheme guys, you know, your, uh, you know, Air Raid, Jeff Tedford, you know, guys who are known for their scheme, and that's how they win. And then you get some guys who are known for their recruiting who, you know, you'll play pretty basic X and O's, which is what I think UNLV does. And then you just win with talent. I think that's the plan at UNLV. So uh, I think it's more about recruiting than it probably is about X's and O's here. They are about to play a bad New Mexico team uh, who is coming off a bye week and did beat Wyoming 14 to three, but it's a New Mexico team that hasn't topped uh, 20 points since a game against an FBS or FCS team on September 11th. Do they win? They can. I think this is. Uh, I know this is. I don't think this is your kind of game, Tyler, because I think this is entirely intangible. Um, what's going to happen on Saturday? I mean, we saw them fighting for a, a good solid month straight, and they were fighting so hard, and eventually they just ran out of gas, and that's what you saw against UNR. I think it, in my opinion, is just a team that had just lost the will to keep fighting like that, and. That's hard. That's hard to get back. Like, can they bounce back in one week from completely giving up to now they're going to go out and leave it all on the field again? I don't know if you can fill up your tank and just get that spark back so quickly. Um, it's if they go out there with the same kind of intensity that they had uh, on Friday night, they're going to get blown out again, even by New Mexico. Uh, there's no one that they can compete with when they play like they did on Friday. So. It's, it's, it's entirely up to the players' intensity level. Can the coaching staff get them whipped up, get them believing again in the span of a week? Uh, I'm kind of skeptical, but, you know, we'll see. You said the quarterback's not on the roster, which if they're all seniors, that's one thing, but they're not all seniors. I mean, how worrisome is that? They have some young kids, one who's now starting, and you're telling us the quarterback's not on the roster to be any good. I think that, you know, Friel is showing some – potential is he the is he like a four-year starter we're not going to recruit the position anymore kind of kind of player um i don't think that's the case doug brumfield has shown you some stuff but i mean he's played you know what has he played six quarters of football and, and he's he can't apparently make it through a game without getting hurt so i mean you can't really count on either of those two guys to be your starter two years from now like you just can't you've got to keep recruiting the position as though you don't have a quarterback so and if Marcus Rowe keeps recruiting that position, he's a good enough recruiter where I think they'll eventually get someone who is talented enough to be that kind of player, that kind of, I'm going to you know, watch for one year and start for three years. So, yeah, I think they will eventually bring in someone ahead of anyone who's on the roster right now. Uh, please share with us your hottest take on candy corn. I like it. That's not a hot take. Kind of is, is that a hot take? Yeah. I, I know it is. I know people don't like it. I like it. I know it's just it's just sugar that's you know formed into the shape of a 
uh, corn kernel, but I, you know, I like sugar. So, <laughs> uh, I do have an important question for you because you tweeted out uh, a couple of pictures: one of a bowl of candy, one of a bag of candy corn, and then one of you chugging this bag of candy corn. Uh, did you take this picture like with your other hand while you were chugging it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you thought that was going to be a good picture. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, I realize it's not a good picture, but, um, you know, what are you going to do? How many how pieces? Else, of, how, how, else, how else would you eat candy corn? I mean, I probably just wouldn't send out that tweet. Uh, how many pieces of candy corn did you eat while trying to pretend like you were chugging the whole bag? Uh, I didn't pretend. That's how I ate that. It was a pretty small bag. There was probably only <laughs> 35 or 40 pieces in there. And I had to t- I had to attempt the photo, you know, a dozen times before I got just the right a angle. Dozen? So. A dozen, a dozen times. Had <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had to. I was committed to the bit at that point. I, I'll have to look this up. I'm sorry, I missed it. Did you have any trick or treaters? And what did you? What did you think of that? I did. I, I get about you know ten groups a year. Okay. And uh, you know. Most of them are, are fine, like eight eight kids, and then like one group of teenagers, and then like one where it's like a baby that clearly cannot eat candy, and it's just a parent walking this baby around the neighborhood, like collecting candy for themselves, and I gave them candy as well. So it was, it was a good night. Yeah, that's worth it. I should dress my dogs up and do that. Just yeah. walk around and get free candy. Yeah. Right? Do you wait, yeah. do you, Mike, if a dog comes to your door in a costume, you giving them a treat? You know what? I would. I would go to my kitchen and I would get a treat for it. You know, I wasn't, I'm not specifically planned for that, but I have stuff that I can give away to dogs <laughs> if, if it comes to that. Um, I, would be, I would be much happier to see a dog than I would be to see like a teenager or a baby. <laughs> Does your dog, Lucas, you put a costume on him at all? No, not really. Like what? what no. I mean, he, let him keep his dignity. He's a good guy. He, he, the other 364 days of the year, he's very good. So, like, why am I going to punish him with a costume <laughs> on Halloween for my benefit? Because that's what they're there for. He's for your benefit, isn't he? No, I just let him live his life. I let him do what he likes. He's happy. I'm not going to put him in a, a Superman cape or something stupid. Like, he's, he's fine the way he is. I accept him the way he is. All right. He's Mike Cravalla from the Las Vegas Sun. Mike, we appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, guys. Bye. I didn't ask you because the game was on last night. Did you guys get trick-or-treaters, and did you even go to the door? Lights out. No. Lights out. No, we don't have it. What does that mean? He doesn't don't turn on the light. Porch light on. You turn your front porch light off so nobody comes you to You want door. nobody there? I'm Not because it's the World Series. I'm probably at my TV. I don't want people walking up to my door. Just literally open it. Who the bleep are you? Yeah. I, okay. Did you see what, what if, Freddie Freeman just did? What if the game wasn't on? We would have been at my girlfriend's parents' house. Do they put their lights off? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They they accept. they hand out candy. Yeah, yeah, they do. They accept. They what accept, a word. Accept trick or treat. They accept children? You're not, you don't require to accept them. You don't have to have people come to your door. Wow. Like, my girlfriend was at her parents' house last night while I was home watching the Astros. So Thank God. Yeah. So, it, you know, if if the Astros aren't playing or if there's not something important going on, we're, we, we're usually at their house. I get in trouble because I give the kids too much, and then I'm I'm banished to the living room by oh, her green span. Oh, man. Get one out of apiece. here. Get out of here. One apiece? Yeah, come on, oh, man. Get Let's out give of these here. kids some candy. I got you the should... first ring of the bell, and then I gave a bunch, and she came out, and she looked at the bowl. She goes, oh, my goodness. Get to the living room. I was banished, and from then on, she answered every door. I, you should ask her next year. What do you think about giving out full-size candy bars? 
No, the closest she, the closest she allows is uh, Reese's cups. That's it. No, like one, not like the not the two pack. No. Oh, Tyler, have you? Oh, <laughs> obviously, haven't. Uh, Open it up and give him an individual. One. Is am I the only like if I have I hit the point of like old age where I'm like that is a flex of wealth. Giving out the full size oh, candy the full like, size, yes. Whoa! Yeah, the full Look size. Look at Daddy Warbucks over yeah, here! The full sizer. Yeah, it is that's a flex not of happening wealth. here. All right, coming up next, nobody's good in the AFC. Absolutely nobody's good in the AFC. Jared tried to whisper something to me, and I have no idea what you just I said. I said preview the giveaways. We've got two giveaways today. I don't even know what we're giving away. Golden Knights tickets? Yes. Coming up later. Wentz, play fake, standing in the end zone. He's in trouble. He tries to left-hand it out. It's intercepted by Molden. Touchdown, Titans. Wentz made a massive mistake. And Elijah Molden, the rookie, is there to snatch the gift out of the air and take it into the end zone and give the Titans the lead with 126 remaining. Shotgun snap to Herbert. Rares back, fires right, pass is intercepted by Phillips, rises from the turf, runs left side, 10-5, pick six, his second interception of the day, and it's a touchdown for the Patriots. A good snap, good protection, flips up field, throws a dodge, intercepted at the 40, that should do it, to the 20, to the 15-yard line, and now did he get out of bounds, I don't know, it's a touchdown for the Saints. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Titans won yesterday in overtime over the Colts, but... Mm, they really lost. <laughs> Derrick Henry is now done for the season. He is going to have to have surgery. Uh, he apparently got injured yesterday during their win over the Colts. So Henry is done. Here's a hot take for you. Titans are fine. Oh, that's really hot. It's blazing hot this morning. Titans are fine. They're, You're saying this because the AFC stinks? Yeah, partially, but also because <laughs> even though Derrick Henry is really good, running backs don't matter. Oh, it's a hot take. It's Derrick, the, it is the one running back you blazing. can argue does matter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For their team. They're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. I don't, I'm not going to think they can be as good as they would have been with him. Okay. So first off, what's your definition is as good as they would have been? Because uh, yes, they are sitting up there. What are they? Five and two. Or are they six and two uh, six now? Two. I think they've won like four or five straight. They have two overtime wins. Like this is not a team that's been rolling a bunch of people. This is a team. They have two overtime wins and they beat the bills because Josh Allen slipped on fourth and one from inside the two. Like we are the, the Titans are three plays away from having five losses this year. Yeah. So it's not like the Titans are particularly dominant. The Titans have been very good in close games. Okay, so they're probably going to get to the playoffs given their AFC South yes. stinks. Yes. And they've already got a three-game lead in the AFC South, so they're going to get to the playoffs. Uh, oh, with him, I'm looking at the AFC. With him, I think they could have maybe gotten to the AFC Championship with him. They still can. Oh, I don't know. They still can. I don't know. They'll be fine. It's not like Derrick Henry's led them to the Super Bowl before. No, he's he's been a player. He's been this good for multiple years, and it's not like we're talking eh. about the Titans being some dynasty. I think it's a huge loss. Rex they're Ryan at the Rams this morning. They're said, at the Rams this week. Oh, they were losing that game no matter. Well, what. they were losing with him anyway. So. <laughs> Let's go to the next week. Hold on, they're home against the Saints. Now with him, they could have won that game. They'll still win that game, no problem. 
listen, the Titans are going to regress in terms of their record simply because they've kept, they've continued to win close games, but the Titans are still going to make the playoffs. And when they get there division winners, they'll get a home game against a wild card team at the rate it's going. It's probably going to end up being like the Kansas city chiefs or something like that. And they probably lose that game with or without Derrick Henry. It's a hot take. Yeah. It's burning. I, I don't think it affects the Titan season that much. I just don't think it does. Cause again, have they been riding Derrick Henry to like some mini dynasty here? This isn't Kansas City losing. No, Patrick but I think Mahomes. they have a like you said, he's the one guy that matters. I think they have a better chance to go deeper with him than they would without him. I mean, sure. Whether he's like one whether he matters. What like you said, your your whole thing is running backs don't matter. That's fine. Um, but I think with him put it this way. With him, I think they have a better chance. I'm not let's say they get to the AFC championship, right? It's you know, I'm not saying they would, but let's say with him they would, right? I think with him there, they could win the next game. Without him, I'm not sure they could. This year in particular, considering Patrick Mahomes not being able to pull things out of his bleep like he usually does, the only home run hitter in all of football has been this guy going like, all right, I'm just going to go now 80 yards. Stop me if you can. The Titans are better this year when they pass than when they run. And actually, I'll give you this hot take. They're better now. Oh, that's burning. Mike Vrabel's going to stop that's running burning. the ball so much, or whoever the hell calls plays. Oh, yeah. Mike. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, Listen, ha- I was with you until you said Mike Vrabel was going to stop gonna... running the ball so much. They're going to be like, well, what are we giving? Jeremy McNichols 32 carries? I don't think so. All right. So they're they're six and two or five and two. They've won four straight. Um, They're six and two. Give me their final record. They're, 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 they've got nine more to go. Uh, they get to 12 wins. 12 and 5. 12 and 5. Okay. Yeah, they get to 12 wins. 12 and 5. AFC South champs. Loss in the first round of the playoffs to the insert, Bengals. Insert well, you've got AFC a chance. They play the Texans twice. They play the Jags another, and the Dolphins. You had a boy. 12 yeah. and 5. They might be 14. <laughs> might be 14 and 3. They get the one seed in the AFC. <laughs> the, Rams, the Rams might be the only <laughs> team they lose to yeah. the rest of the way. They get the one seed in the AFC, and everybody's like, I don't think they're good. <laughs> Not without Derrick Henry. They're they're fourteen and three, but I don't think they're good. They really they got a lot of wins, but this guy hurts some fantasy teams, man. Oh, that's the killer. That's knocked a lot of teams out today.